This podcast is for mature audiences only. Hi, my name is Claudia McMichael, and I wrote and lived The Other Me. In my later years, I started experiencing clairvoyance myself, along with other people. Here are some short stories about the people and what they experienced. My cousin Rodney, his wife Debbie, and I traveled to France to tour the Loire Valley. My goal was to visit the location in Normandy to see where my dad came ashore. He was an Army Tech Sergeant and touched ground on D-Day plus three. My body actually tingled watching the waves crash to the shore knowing that my dad, Alfred Ray Arendt, was part of this famous ground landing during World War II. We had rooms at an exquisite chateau. It was truly one of the most beautiful castles I've ever stayed in. My own room was decorated with antique white furniture and rich floral drapes with a matching bedspread. The color of the fabric looked like it was taken from a Claude Monet oil palette. The ponds on the grounds had water lilies so lush it seemed that Monet could have used these settings for his famous water lily paintings. I was unpacking my luggage the first afternoon when I thought I saw something shimmery just above my line of vision. When I looked up, I gasped. Hovering over my bed was a mass of thousands of tiny silvery white specks. The mass had no definite shape. It vacillated between being an orb into an oval. Suddenly, it headed towards the corner of the ceiling and disappeared. You would think I would be horrified like any normal person at the thought of sharing a room with an obvious apparition, but remember, I've met the other me. The next night, we had returned to the chateau, and I was getting ready for bed. I had come out of the bathroom and now saw two of the orb-shaped anomalies floating across my bed. I got a strong sense they were children playing a game. At first I thought, okay, if I could have visions and mental telepathy, might I have clairvoyance too? The pesky little rascal stayed a little bit longer than I felt comfortable with, but soon disappeared into the same corner the previous spirits had exited through. The next morning I went to the front desk and asked to speak to the manager. I told him and the receptionist what had happened. The receptionist said, Just one minute, please. She came back with a three-ring binder and asked what room I was staying in. When I told them my room number, they looked at each other with a quizzical look on their faces. I asked them what was wrong, and they told me this was highly unusual because, according to the binder, they only stayed in three rooms on the next floor. One of the rooms, however, was directly above mine. They wanted my permission to document everything that had occurred, including my impressions. I asked them if this was a common problem with other guests. The receptionist said that most people found it charming and a good story to tell when they got home. But some came out of their rooms screaming and either demanded another room or left immediately. I asked if they knew who the little spirits were. A guest who had once lived in the area said he thought they were children who originally lived in the chateau, but to his knowledge did not die from a tragic death.
they allowed me to read what other guests had written, and although the words they used to describe the spirits were a little different from mine, they were basically the same. Some people didn't actually see them, but felt their presence so strongly they requested a different room. We left the next morning and was disappointed they hadn't done a fly over my bed one last time to say goodbye. I am so grateful to Debbie and Rodney for asking me to go on this wonderful magical trip. Oh, and the lady that had the room above me complained about the sudden drop of temperature in her room and that she felt like there was someone with her even though she was alone. After I recounted my story to her at breakfast, she got so excited she said she was going to ask for the binder at the front desk so she could add her story to the historical sightings of the haunted chateau. I will never forget being introduced to clairvoyance by my two little rascal visitors. They made my stay at Chateau an exciting supernatural experience. The Ghost of Catfish Plantation In the 1980s, my husband Ricky, four of our friends, and me were invited to dine at a lovely historical house in our community of Waxahachie, Texas. It had been built in 1895, but has since been turned into the famous Catfish Plantation Restaurant in 1984. Why was it famous? Well, let me tell you, when I first entered the quaint cottage, I had not been made aware of any ghostly inhabitants. I went to the restroom to wash my hands, not realizing I was not alone. Far from it, in fact. I took a few steps towards the sink, when suddenly I was pushed forward so hard that only by grabbing the front of the sink did I keep from falling to the floor. Immediately, a gush of frigid air moved through my body, sucking all of my body heat away from me. I've never experienced that deep feeling of icy cold again, and believe me, I don't want to. I didn't even know that kind of bone-chilling cold existed. I quickly looked behind me to see if it was someone trying to play a bad joke on me but found no one. I jerked open the door and looked up and down the hall, but only heard the clatter of pots and pans and only saw the chef preparing the food. I returned to my table, somewhat shaken, and reported what happened to my friends and the waitress. She just smiled and said she would be right back. She came back to our table with a pen and a notebook and asked me if I would like to write down my experience and add it to the others. I opened the journal and saw page after page of testimonials from people who had also experienced encounters of the paranormal kind. Soon, the restaurant became very famous and has been featured on many television programs. They explained that the ghost first appeared many years ago. Some were previous owners or town people. The one I was interested in was Caroline. She doesn't seem to take kindly to people entering her domain, especially in the kitchen and the restroom. I don't know whether she sensed that I also practiced the paranormal and didn't want me invading her digs, or she just didn't want me to mess up her restroom. Oh well. Over the years, my friends and I have eaten at the catfish plantation many times because the wonderful food reminds us of the great Cajun food of New Orleans. I always thought I would meet up with Carolyn again, but I guess she considered it a one and done because no matter how often I eat there, I have, haven't experienced her again. 
Who knows? Maybe next time. A ghostly ending. I have a trick I do quite successfully with my mind. Before I go to bed at night, I summon up a problem or a project I'm working on that I have a question about. I let it be my last thought before I go to sleep. The next morning when I wake up, the first thing I see is a vision of the answer. I first started this problem-solving technique accidentally when I was a child. After several positive results, I made it part of my nightly ritual if I had a problem I couldn't solve. I had almost completed writing this book and thought I was satisfied with the end results. Then it came to me that I needed one more chapter. It needed to be a real blockbuster. It would have to be something so powerful it would amaze my reading audience. I gave it a good try, but couldn't think of anything I hadn't already covered. It was time for bed and just the right time to put my mind in order. The last thing I thought of before I closed my eyes was my book. The next morning, I sat up in bed and saw one word, Tiffany. Tiffany is the daughter of my cousin Rodney and his wife, Debbie. She is just as beautiful as she is smart. What makes this wonderful woman so special is that she sees ghosts. Tiffany joins my brother, mother, Janet, and me in the family saga of extrasensory perception. Tiffany told me one time that there was a spirit who lived in her house. She was too afraid to tell anyone, but her dad encouraged her to talk to me. Back then, she was unsure who the spirit was and certainly didn't know why he was appearing to her. After confiding in me, I felt she would be open to helping with the book, so I made the call. I explained what my subject matter was about and asked if she was interested. Without any hesitation, she responded with a resounding yes. She agreed to an interview, and this was what she had to say. I will warn you in advance to brace yourself. She began by telling me about visions she had in her first home after George and her got married. It started when she would see something in her peripheral vision, and then it would quickly pass by the corner of her eye. Later, it would reveal itself in the shape of an orb. This gave me cold chills since this was the way I had described the little rascals from the castle in the Loire Valley in France. I told her in researching ESP for my book that I found that quick glimpses of something or someone in the corner of a person's eyes was the first sign of being a clairvoyant. Her little spirit began to materialize in the hall. After this had happened several times, she realized it wasn't going away. She decided she had to make some kind of peace to live in coexistence with the spirit in order to remain in the house. Ideally, the spirit would belong to her grandmother. She felt like she could live in the house easier if the spirit was her non-threatening grandmother. Because of their close relationship, she knew Carlene would make her feel safe and protected. Tiffany's young son began to have problems with his room. He frequently told her he felt there was someone living in his room with him. She hadn't discussed her visions with him because she didn't want to, him to fear living in the house. Gabe would talk about the sudden rise in temperature in his room. She felt like he might be referring to the sensation she had been feeling. She would feel a presence rise above her during the night. She would wake up and gasp for air 
after feeling something pressing down on top of her. After a few years, Tiffany and George decided to build a new house. Leaving the old house was bittersweet. What would happen to the apparition when they moved? Would she be abandoning the spirit of her grandmother? What if the spirit wasn't her grandmother, as she had always hoped, and was instead something sinister? Then good riddance to them. When they closed the door to their house for the last time, they weren't just leaving the neighborhood, they were leaving its spooky inhabitants. Tiffany had a baby girl about 17 months after they moved into their new house. A few weeks later, she was putting her baby daughter in her crib for a nap. She had moved the baby monitor into the nursery and was watching to see if she would fuss. Tiffany first noticed her baby's foot was going up and down. Looking closer, she saw a hand tickling her child's toes. The spirit moved and looked right into the camera and smiled at her. He looked to be about 20 and was dressed in a World War II Army Green uniform. Tiffany raced to the nursery and saw that the spirit had vanished. She couldn't believe what she had just witnessed. Obviously, the ghost had made the move with them and just had as obviously it wasn't my Aunt Carlene. Though scared beyond belief, Tiffany went to her computer and started researching everything she could find on her old house and the land they had built their new house on. Unfortunately, there was no explanation to be found. Her greatest fear was that the ghost had attached itself to both of her children. She was at the end of her rope because she didn't know what to do. But then she thought, of course, Google it. She asked what to say to an unwanted ghost. Unbelievably, an appropriate answer popped up. It said, this is what you say to a ghost. You can mess with me all you want, but please don't mess with my kids. She pleaded with the spirit to be kind and respectful to her family and do no harm to them. I don't think they were listening very well because they continued to let themselves be seen. The spirit began to peek around the corner of the rooms, especially in the media room and their bedroom. I wonder if he had a favorite TV show. Tiffany's, Tiffany's husband, George, has seen the same spirit numerous times. He has experienced a sudden drop in temperature and the feeling of pressure hovering around him. Recently, George lost his sweet mother, Olga, to COVID. She was a loving mother and grandmother. Three days after she passed away, they noticed the overhead light in their bedroom would turn on, blink, and turn off. George and Tiffany felt that was Olga just saying goodbye. I could readily identify with what they saw. Ricky and I were in bed sound asleep when the phone rang. I instinct instinctively knew something was very wrong, uh, not because I had a vision, but because it was just too late for someone to be calling. His father had just died in a horrible car wreck, and his mother was hysterical. While he was trying to calm her down, our bedroom light came on. It lasted only a few seconds, then went off. I turned to Ricky and mouthed the words, That was your dad saying goodbye. He nodded his head that, and that he agreed and continued to deal with his mother. Later, he told me he had already felt the presence of his father before the light turned on and off. You might think a sane man would have doubted the whole situation, but look who he lived with for 40 years, the queen of all things paranormal. Because of George's 
up-close and personal relationship with the ghost squatter, he made the decision to purchase a frequency static box. Although the box is not equipped to introduce you to any ghostly housemates, it can measure the intensity of static in each room. At first, when he put it in their bedroom, it went berserk, screeching at top decibels and measuring intense static. Suddenly, the noise and static measurements stopped. Then, in her crystal clear voice, they heard Olga say, Alexis? There was no doubt it was her voice they heard, trying to get her granddaughter's attention. Since then, the visits from the specter have diminished. This concerned Tiffany only in that she didn't know what had caused him or them to calm down. They never have figured out if there is just one spirit or several. Last week, Tiffany was playing with her dog when the spirit materialized and floated between her and the, her pup. I guess even ghosts need a play date. After making a grand appearance between Tiffany and her doggy, I feel it safe to say that they have attached themselves, themselves to my cousin's family for years to come. I asked Tiffany if she had any visions when she was a child. I told her it was common with the ESP to begin when you are fairly young. She remembered an incident when she was about seven. She was in her driveway when something caught her eye. She glanced over at her neighbor's yard and saw her cousin. She became excited because she always had a good time when her family came to visit. She was about to say something to her when suddenly she vanished. She ran into the house and searched for her cousin's family, but her mom said no, they weren't visiting. If her cousin wasn't in the house and not in her neighbor's yard, where was she? Her first thought was she must have fallen into a hole, so she ran back out and started looking for holes in the ground. The next day, she continued her search for holes. This first vision confused and scared her. You can imagine how horrified she must have felt to see a relative disappear into thin air. Each one of my family members have inherited these skills from someone um, up the DNA chain. It's obviously from my mother's side of the family. I would often hear my grandmother say something that would sound pretty questionable but never gave it much thought. Now I'm almost positive it all came directly from her. In doing research for my book, I came across several articles that validated the blinking lights when someone passes away. When my dad died, the lights blinked. I wondered if my mom had passed some of her ESP powers onto him. The hospital kiss goodbye might be an indication of something going on between Ray and Sylvia. How exciting to think of the spirits in Tiffany's old house, packing their ghoulish luggage and joining them in their new home. I wonder how they did it. Did they beam themselves up in some sort of spiritual cloud and float over to their new digs? Or did they attach themselves to the members of the family and just go along for the ride? Maybe one of them will slip up one day and tell all on the frequency bo static box. If any of you have experienced any of these paranormal senses, please don't be afraid. Treat them as an extension of yourself, or should I say, treat them like the other you. Join me next week when I share the real reason I wrote the other me. Remember, you don't have to be 
strong, just knowledgeable. The Other Me and the Ignorant Widow can be purchased on Amazon or downloaded on Kindle. This is Claudia wishing you a great week.